the Bucks were gifted that first touchdown on a ridiculous roughing the Brady call. It's not roughing the passer anymore. It's a roughing the Brady call. Like you're not allowed to touch Tom Brady during a football game. That's we all understand that. Now. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another edition of the Chop Shop. Glad you're with us. Us being myself and my good friend and work wife for many years, and still is, I guess, Mark Schlereth. Right? Yeah, it still works. Yeah, I'm still doing it. Yeah. What? Well, hey, one hundred percent. So here's the, here's the deal, Sparky. Um, God, I, we're never getting rid of the seven seeds, but we should. But because they resistance is futile. Like no one was gonna, no one thought the Eagles were gonna beat the Bucks, and no one really expected the Steelers, outside of some hardcore Yinzers, to have any issues taking down Patrick Mahomes. But it's it's the it's the lay of the land, right? Money, money, money. It's it, 100% is about the money. You know what? You turned in, you tuned in, I tuned in, the whole, all yeah. of America tuned in. Bottom line is, uh, you know, you just, uh, you just take the favorite and, uh, and bet the house and you're going to be good. Gambling money's up. Everything's going well, man. I mean, you, you're right. The game's not real competitive, but, um, you know, for crying out loud, it, it ain't going anywhere. And I wouldn't be surprised to no. see them go to eight, eight teams at some point, listen, even it back listen. out. The, the money, the money, if the money's there, the money is money. And, and that's what we're sort of dealing with right now. So let's start with a couple of the blowouts. Um, I, I don't think people have really fully processed what we saw Buffalo do to New England. That was the second best scoring defense in football. And they lit, Mark, they got every yard that they could have possibly have gotten. This was the first game in NFL history where the team did not punt, a team did not attempt a field goal, and a team did not turn it over on downs. They, every yard that was available to them, they got. And I felt like, for lack of a better term, this was like the entire city of Buffalo getting a high colonic enema. All the bad shit got out of them after 20 years of seeing Bill Belichick just rain on their parade. It was it was a epic cleansing for the ages for the city, the fans, and a lot of those players. There's no question about it. And I, I'm telling you what. They're an easy team to uh, trade to, to root for. They're an easy team to get behind, right? They they just feel the story feels great. And I tell you what, have you ever seen a dude? Maybe Joe Burrow is in this in this lineup too. But a dude just embrace where he's at, like embrace that culture, embrace that city, embrace yeah. what they're all about. Josh Allen is is Buffalo, man. He has just come yeah. in there and become Buffalo. And how about, by the way, you got to love it too. How about Ryan Fitzmagic? Yeah. How about, how about, still, how about by the way, just... under con, still under contract with Washington, by the way, technically yeah. under yeah. contract. But he's a fan, man. And he sees yeah. Buffalo doing great things. And he's out there with his giant beard and his hairy chest. And he is, I mean, it was, it was great. And it was a whole city's just entire you know, flip the bird to New England and to yeah. Bill Belichick. And I tell you what, it was cathartic, man. It felt good. Uh, you know, you almost felt like a part of it. Like, I was yeah. watching it going, yeah, this is good. And that yeah. offense, what they were able to do, especially the balance that they showed, I've always known under uh, under their system how good they are at, uh, outside with Diggs and with Sanders and with uh, – What's the kid's name? Gabriel and and, and yeah, Beasley. And, like, they're really good out there, and they're great at churning first downs. But they got the run game going. I mean, they were a completely balanced offense. And and like you said, no what, no field goals, no punts, no turnover on downs. Did whatever was, they wanted. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. 
And one thing I did love about it, we'll move on in just a second here, car alarm, uh, is that um, yes. is that Josh Allen admitted he was trying to throw away that first touchdown pass to Dawson Knox. He's like, I don't know why they were cheering. And then I saw that he had scored, and I was like, oh, okay. So he, I, I appreciated that honesty. But the other game that was yeah. the blowout, the other game, Mark, first of all, Pittsburgh couldn't have started better. They got two turnovers. They got a defensive touchdown. And they still had no chance to win the game. I mean, it couldn't have gone better. T.J. Watts making plays left and right. And they find themselves down 14 and a half. And, and that was over. Um, that throw on third and 20 to Travis Kelsey to put them up 21 to 7. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right. You know what is amazing to me? And, and here's where Kansas City has it over every other team in the National Football League. And, and I mean this, every team. Yeah. There is never a sense of panic. They can be down 14 or like they were in the playoffs a couple of years ago, down, what, 24? 24. And it's like, nah, yeah, we're good. not a big deal. Yeah, we're we'll all right. right. And yeah. it, it never feels like for, for them, like most of the time you get down like that and you've got to change your game plan, right? You've got to, yeah. oh, we can't run it anymore. We can't do this anymore. We can't. They're not running it anyhow. Like, they're running it just enough to set up some of their play-action stuff and some of their stuff on the goal line. And I'm telling you, they are by far the most creative team on the goal line. All the underhand passes, the shovel passes, all the stuff they do on the jet sweeps. And it's just amazing what they're able to accomplish on a on a, a down-to-down basis down there and how often they score touchdowns. There's never a sense of panic. Down 14, we don't give a crap. We're better than yeah. you. Well, not only that, Mark, but like, I think this is important. Like, we are all applauding Josh Allen's effort, right? It was an amazing football game. He threw for five touchdown passes, had 300 yards. Patrick Mahomes had five touchdown passes and threw for 400 yards. And I think we're getting to this point where if Patrick Mahomes doesn't do something we've never seen before every week, we're like, eh, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? I want, I want to go through a couple of lists here, okay? Again, he had 400 yards passing and five touchdown passes. Here's the entire list of quarterbacks in NFL history that have two games in their postseason resume where they have 400 passing yards and five touchdown passes. Kurt Warner did it twice. The Mad Bomber for the Oakland Raiders in the AFL, Daryl LaMonica, did it twice. And Patrick Mahomes has done it twice at the beginning of his career. Here's another one. Quarterbacks with 400 passing yards and five touchdown passes in a playoff game. Only two quarterbacks in NFL history have done that. That would be Ben Roethlisberger and Patrick Mahomes. We are, our expectations for Patrick Mahomes are so out of whack with what reality because he's just that good. And I hope people don't get this like, oh, well, of course he's supposed to do this. Patrick no, nobody's supposed to do this. And he does it all the time. Every, sing, every single week, you know, and every time he drops back and there's pressure, Trey, every time he, he, he's under duress and he starts to move, I, like everybody else in America, expect something spectacular to happen. And I catch myself all the time when he throw when he he has an errant ball, you know, a ball that just I don't know, it's he short hops one four yards short of the receiver he's trying to hit from a, a ridiculous yeah. arm angle and unbelievable body mechanics, and you're like, what the hell's wrong with him? You, you've just yeah. grown accustomed to seeing him make the sublime, the ridiculous, the things that just nobody can do, and he just makes them look routine. So when he doesn't make those plays, you're like, hey man, there's something wrong with Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I'm with you 100%. I don't believe that we really give him the credit 
that he yeah. actually deserves at, at all. Yeah. He's just, like, the guy's amazing. There was one play in the game where he was rolling to his right, and what do you never say? Never throw it back late across the field, across your body. And he hit Pringle in the like, – it went right through Pringle's yeah. hands, and he dropped it. Like, it I, – I just I'm, – I'm glad you you feel the same way because, like, our expectations for what we should see out of Pat Holmes are so out of whack uh, going forward. I think you, I think you of, have yeah. to change, by the way. I think you have to change that. I think that's for yeah. the average human. Never yeah. roll to your right or your left and throw it back over the middle of the football field because bad things are going to happen to you unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Then you can do that. Everybody else is a no-no. That, just I, don't I'll, do it. I'll give Josh Allen like the bronze medal on that podium too. But, yes, those two yes, okay. far and away ahead of everybody else. All right, And then there was – Mark, I don't think there was a player with more pressure going into the wildcard weekend than Matthew Stafford, right? The Rams made this massive investment to bring him over, and he'd been very bipolar in the season. 41 touchdown passes, second only to Tom Brady. Good. 17 interceptions, tying a rookie for the league high. <clears throat> threw four pick sixes. Nobody else threw more than two. Threw eight interceptions over the last few weeks of the season. Good Matthew Stafford showed up in a big way last night, and he was a very large reason why the Rams could do whatever they wanted to offensively against the Cardinals. There, there is no question. And Matthew Stafford, and I've said this, and I've been talking about this for a while now. I've thought, I go back to, to his Detroit days. I always thought he was an elite-level quarterback. But the problem with being an elite-level quarterback when the rest of your team is not elite, where you have maybe one player like a, you know, a Megatron or whoever that is an elite player, is that you have to oftentimes play from behind, and you have to be the reason you guys win. And yeah. so there's always this immense pressure. So my thought process was there is not – like if you don't put that pressure on yourself, you're not under pressure because you've got a coaching staff that will design plays. You've got players like Cooper Cup and uh, you've got – like what Cam Akers did to me last night Amazing. was insane. It was insane, Trey. I mean, here's a guy, July – I believe it was July 20th he had his uh, Achilles tendon Achilles. operated on yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a, a twelve month injury, and I've seen that so many times during the course of my career where guys just don't ever come back the same. It's a twelve month injury. He's back here in January, absolutely dispensing justice. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. Yeah. And so my thought process is: all of a sudden, you've got an elite level defense with guys like Aaron Donald. You've got guys like um, Jalen Ramsey. You know, you've got really good players. Von Miller. Uh, Von Miller for crying out loud. Then offensively with Whitworth and with Akers back and Odell Beckham Jr. And, I mean, you're so loaded. Don't You don't yeah. have to win. Hey, Matthew, you don't have to win the game. And I thought he was exceptional. I thought the Rams were exceptional. They dominated the line of scrimmage, man. That was a dominant performance uh, in a wild yeah. card game. I'm glad you mentioned Odell because I think it's pretty clear that whatever the issues were in Cleveland, they should have tried harder to make it work. Right. Like, yeah, he's he's had as many touchdown catches in his short time with the Rams that he had in a season and a half with the Cleveland Browns. And, yes, you can say his attitude wasn't always the best in Cleveland. Fine. Sure. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it's up to the organization with someone that supremely talented to try and find a way to make it work. And it certainly didn't feel like that was what either the quarterback or the organization really had a lot of interest in. Yeah. And I think put in the right situation, obviously, uh my my college teammate Eric Yarber coaches him, and he's in a room of guys that understand the value of blocking. I mean, Cooper Cup yeah. literally plays wide receiver slash tight end. 
And he is in combination blocks with left tackles and right tackles, you know, in the zone running game, working up to the second level like a tight end. So they can run those packages with Cooper Cup. You walk into that room and all of a sudden you're an odd man out. If you're not doing that, Van Jefferson, if you're not actually grinding and blocking people, you're going to look like a fool. So he got into a situation where all of a sudden it wasn't just about, you know, making one-handed catches in the end zone. It was about doing right. everything as a right. football player. And it really, I know it really, I've talked to Yarbs about it. It really affected him being in that room. And, you know, I, I think players just want an opportunity to win. I think they want an opportunity to be coached and coached hard. I think they want an opportunity to get better. I think he saw that with the Rams and with Sean McVay and with that system and, and with the coaching staffs and the players they have. And he just was like, I'm all in. And good yeah. pro Del Beckham Jr. for recognizing it, seeing it. He's kind of the anti, you know, anti Antonio Brown, where he doesn't yeah. get it, he doesn't see it, and uh, now his team is, you know, his team is winning playoff games, and he's looking for work again. Well, we're set up with this great showdown uh, that happened earlier in the season uh, in L.A. And now it's going to be in Tampa, Rams and Bucks. Look, no one expected the Eagles to put up much of a fight. Uh, against Tampa Bay, but they were the Bucks were gifted that first touchdown on a ridiculous roughing the Brady call. It's not roughing the passer anymore; it's a roughing the Brady call. Like, yeah, you're not allowed to touch Tom sure. Brady during a football game. That's we all understand that now. Um, but listen, that game was a very simple. Bucks have been here before; the Eagles haven't, and it was pretty clear to see. So, what do you expect now in the rematch between these two in the divisional round? Which, by the way, is the best weekend of football: two great games on Saturday, two great games on Sunday. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to me because, like, my my thought process is always this with the Bucks, Like, when they're healthy on the defensive side, when Vita Vea is healthy, when um, when JPP is right, when the linebacking core with Levante, David, and Devin White's right, they, they do such a good job. Todd Bulls is such an aggressive coordinator. So what he loves to do is he loves to bring pressure, both in running downs and pass downs, first and second down, and then he can sit back on third down and decide how he wants to approach third downs. And so he steals a couple offensive possessions a game for for Brady, for that offense. I just think the way they operate as a defense, when they're healthy with the speed that they have, they're, they're just absolutely amazing. So um, to me, they'll put the Rams under a lot of duress on the offensive side of the ball. They'll shut down that run game, and uh, and they have, they have an opportunity to, to give that – to give Tom Brady extra possessions, you know, I think it's going to be hard to go into Tampa and for the Rams to win. Listen, uh, outside of that ridiculous shutout of the Saints when they lost everybody, uh, the, the Bucks had a uh, season-best average margin of victory at home, 16-plus points. They're the first team in seven years to have with five games at home by 20 points or more. It'll be put to the test by if, if Matthew Stafford plays the way he did uh, in that game. But we'll see what happens. Coming up next, we'll take a break, and we'll talk about a team that's not playing uh, in the division round because they earned that right to not play, and that would be the Dallas Cowboys. Coming right back on the Chop Shop. Welcome to our newest weekly segment, Trey's Trends, presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. Look, Caesar Sportsbook is the greatest betting app of all time. Why? Because Caesars makes everyone feel like an emperor. When you place your bets, win or lose, you earn more with Caesars rewards. Dining, getaway, stays, so many perks, people. You see, let me explain what that means. In our world, Caesar isn't the only emperor. You see, there's no apostrophe in that spelling. Why is that? 
because everyone who downloads the app will be treated like an emperor. We are all Caesars. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards, which means win or lose, you earn reward credits every time you wager. Redeem them for things like sports tickets, dining, getaways, and so much more. Presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook. Here's a peek in what you can get watching Trey's Trends each week on the Caesar Sportsbook social media and YouTube channels. Super Wildcard Weekend ended up being not so super. Four of the six games were decided by 16 or more points, and there was at least a 14-point lead in every game. Favorites went 5-1 straight up and against the spread, with the Niners being the only dog to win outright at Dallas, but Dallas certainly helped. That's a far cry from previous wildcard rounds, where the four seasons before that, underdogs were 15-3 against the spread with eight outright wins. None of those games were decided by more than 14 points. On to the divisional round now, where all the home teams are favored, but none by more than five and a half points. Over the last three seasons, favorites are 10 and two straight up and eight and four against the spread in the divisional round. The two dogs to win outright over that time frame: the 2019 Titans who defeated the Ravens and then lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game, and the 2020 Bucks who beat the Saints and then went on to win it all. The Bucks continue their Super Bowl title defense when they play at home Sunday against the Rams who are getting three points. Find more of Trace Trends at Caesar Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube, with new episodes dropping every Friday. 21 or older, 18 or older in D.C. must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. If you you know, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be. Ex- if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one eight hundred Gambler. That's one eight hundred four two six two five three seven. Or in West Virginia, visit one eight hundred Gambler Arizona, call one eight hundred Next Step. Colorado, DC, Nevada, call one eight hundred five two two four seven hundred. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, call or text TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Copyright 2002, Caesars Entertainment. Gambling problem in New York? Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467369. All right, back with you on the Chop Shop. Trey Wingo, Mark Flair. You know, the Dallas Cowboys are a very polarizing team. A lot of people love them, and because of that reason, a lot of people also hate them. So for the fan base that can't stand the Dallas Cowboys and the America's team and all that kind of stuff, the Cowboys gave them a gift for the ages in Wild Card Weekend. Because normally you want to see a team like that either lose in heartbreaking fashion or do something spectacularly wrong internally that causes them to lose and the way the Cowboys lost to the 49ers they did both yeah (laughs) you're you're 100% right I mean (laughs) you look at the Dallas Cowboys and and it is one of those things it's just like the Cowboys gonna cowboy you know they're gonna make a mistake that's gonna cost them a game down the stretch and then you look at you know you look at whether it's hey we don't have a timeout to to challenge a fumble or hey we don't have you know we 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 have 14 seconds on the clock, and we run a quarterback draw, which I'm okay with running a quarterback draw. Just understand how long things take, right? Understand the situation. Understand, hey, instead of getting six extra yards, get your ass down and get the ball spotted. 
right? Hand it to the, re- the referee, get the ball spotted so you can spike it, or have some type of 911 call that as soon as you go down, bam, hey, we're going four verts right now. We don't have time to line up. We, like, get lined up and go. But the ur- the sense of urgency, it just didn't feel like with the Dallas Cowboys at the end of that game, like they were really situationally prepared as they should be. And, and you know, ultimately it cost them a game. But that but that's nothing new, right? It's not significant to this game. It's significant to Mike McCarthy's entire tenure with the Dallas Cowboys. Let me ask you this, because we'll get to Kellen Moore in a second. As a player, do you think the, the, the players can look in that locker room and believe that Mike McCarthy is going to be the guy that can get them to where they need to be in the next level? Uh, I think there, I think there would be questions just based on. Now again, I'm not in there every day, and and so, you know, I'm I'm not around. They may really like Mike McCarthy, but from a game management standpoint, which is it, his it only thing, really. Good. It's the it's the, it's the right. only thing they really want him to do because Dan Quinn does a great job on the defense, and Kellen Moore, yeah. for the most part, which we'll get into, does a nice right. job on the offensive side. Yeah, and then you look at the last couple of years in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Then look what Aaron Rodgers, it looks like he's going to be, you know, I mean, won MVP last year. He may win the MVP again this year. They've won 13-plus games, three straight seasons since Mike McCarthy left. You know, it wasn't like they did a total roster revamp. Um, It just is a different perspective, a different look. And talking to Aaron Rodgers about it, he was like, you know, it was always with Mike McCarthy, what's the best matchup? What's the best matchup? First down, second down, third down. He goes, now it's, hey, what's my best matchup on third down? That's my down to win. Almost taking pressure off the quarterback, right? Like like taking something off his plate. Like how can we give our quarterback kind of situations on first and second down where scheme takes care of it and we take some pressure off of him? We, we unload his plate, if you will, and let him just have that pressure moment, those pressure moments in – second down and long situations and third down and long to take some of that mental capacity off our quarterback. And like, I don't, I just don't feel like Mike McCarthy is doing that. I don't think he's done that his last few years in green Bay. And he certainly doesn't seem to be doing it in Dallas. So let's get to Kellen Moore now, because he was a hot coaching candidate. Um, you know, the Cowboys will bump you down the stretch. I believe Dak was never as healthy as they let on. But the other thing is, Daryl Bevel never really has had an opportunity to be a head coach after the fiasco in Super Bowl 49 as the Seahawks offensive coordinator. He threw it inside to his fourth best receiver instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch, who probably would have pounded his way to a second straight Super Bowl with the Seahawks. Do you think that call and that quarterback draw situation will haunt Kellen Moore in the interview process? Yeah, I don't think there's any I don't think there's any question. Now he's gonna get interviews and he's gonna get a chance to go through that process. But I think I think one of the hottest, he's one of the hottest commodities coming into the season and uh, and probably halfway through the season. And I think it's diminished, gradually diminished since then. And I think these last couple of weeks, especially this uh, wild card game, is going to cost him an opportunity to be a head coach this year. I just don't think he's ready. Um, and, I, and I think that was apparent in the way he's called games here down the stretch. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that process plays out. So we got San Francisco, Green Bay. It was a great game earlier in the season. Uh, San Francisco really won that game. I think it was week three, and then Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things. That was at Levi Stadium. This one's going to be in Green Bay. I think there's a lot of pressure on Green Bay, Mark, for a couple of reasons. They should win, and this might be Aaron Rodgers' last go-round as a Green Bay Packers. And they've had issues in the past where they've been the number one seed and have not been able to – to push it across the goal line. So I think there's a lot of pressure on the Packers in this matchup. 
I don't think that my I don't think there's any question. The other thing is is being a number one seed, as nice as it is to feel fresh, as nice as it is to go through all that stuff. Um, I'm just speaking from an offensive football standpoint. When you're an offensive football player, it's hard to stay. It's hard to maintain the rhythm that you have when all of a sudden you take a week off at the end of the season. Like I said, it's great to be fresh. It's great to have that feel. Um, but a lot has to do with the way you practice, the way you prepare this week, and how you come out and play this thing early. And so it's one of those things that always kind of haunts you as an offensive football team. And, you know, we'll see exactly how that, you know, how that pans out. But, you know, San Francisco obviously has you know, there's some players that are beat up and stuff, but they are, they are a tough matchup for anybody, the physicality with which they play with. And if you're an offensive football team, think about this. You're Green Bay. You come out, you're a little bit rusty because you haven't played in a week. You haven't, you know, you're not as as sharp. And all of a sudden, they possess the ball on the other side. They cram it down your throat. They have the running game that they have. And they have you Debo find yourself confusing behind. people left and right. Right. You find yourself behind even by a score. Man, it can feel like you're down by seven. It can feel like you're down by a lot more. And you feel like, gosh, I, the, the game is slipping away or my opportunities are slipping away. Hey, man, they possess the ball so much here in the first quarter. We only got one possession. And now we're looking at maybe two possessions in the second quarter. And we're going into halftime. And we've had three possessions or three and a half possessions. It's just it, I know how that feels, man. And that's, what, that's the one thing that concerns me about the Green Bay Packers playing this Niners game. Yeah, and the other thing I think we need to keep an eye on this week, uh, as the Bengals get set to go to Tennessee, Derrick Henry watch is on full effect, right? Like, I, I think that a lot of people look at look at the Titans as potentially a paper number one seed if Derrick Henry doesn't play. But if Derrick Henry does play, that kind of changes the equation entirely. It does. And, and I've told you this before on this podcast, man. I've had a coach that says, hey, man, I, I had a coach from a, an opposing team tell me, you know, Tennessee thinks they're bullies. They think they dominate people. They think this, that. He goes, they're not bullies. Tennessee Titans aren't bullies. He goes, their running back's a bully. Like, when that dude is in there, that team is legit. He's a freaking man. He will absolutely bully the opponent. And everybody feeds off of that. But he's like, if he's not in there, they're not as tough and as physical as they try to act like they are. They're just not. He goes, but when when Derrick Henry is in that backfield, you damn well better believe they're bullies. So – it makes a huge difference, uh, and it, it makes the complimentary nature. When you have that dude in your backfield and you know you're wearing people's asses out, what it does for your defense, what it does for your special teams, it makes everybody feel like a bully. You know, it makes everybody feel yeah. powerful. Um, you feel, you I, I feel. say it's like doing that. Yeah, it's like when I when I was playing, man, we went to Australia, and it was the All Blacks. Remember the, the All Blacks? They were doing yeah. the haka or whatever that yeah. thing is called, right? And New Zealand, all blacks, and they were out there doing the And, like, I, I had a little piss drizzle, drizzling down my leg when I was watching it on TV. Like, God, I'm glad we're just playing the Chargers and we're not playing those guys. Those son of bitches are tough, man. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, that's what it reminded It reminds me of that when you have Derrick Henry in your back. All right, we'll see what happens. Listen, the divisional weekend is the best weekend in football because normally you get the best teams there. You get two really good games with two good teams, with four good teams on Saturday and two really good games with four good teams on Sunday. It's the best weekend of football. We look forward to it. And, of course, after it's all said and done, we'll break it down right here on the Chop Shop. My brother, be well, be safe, all right? All right, man. Aloha, my friend. Shut up.